0: Welcome to the Balanced Black Girl podcast. We're putting black girl magic in motion. This show is dedicated to reinventing wellness for women of color. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Hello, hello. Welcome to Balanced Black Girl. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I'm your host, Lestrandra. A lot of people call me Les, and I'm so glad you're here. Whether you are returning and you've listened before, or this is your first episode tuning in, I am honored to share this space with you. So thank you so much for listening. I started this podcast almost two years ago, which I cannot believe it's been. In almost two years, year and a half. We have about six months until it's the, the two year point because I wanted to create a space to have conversations with other black women in wellness and to create resources to inspire, have candid conversations and just have an open, honest, refreshing space. And what this space has turned into over the past year and a half has been incredible and something that I am so grateful for. And a big part of that was me learning more about the realities of health and wellness in our community and what that looks like. I think all of us have had people who have been impacted by negative health outcomes and specifically in the black community, you know, there are some things that more of us tend to experience than others, be it things like diabetes, heart disease, hypertension, you name it. These things are incredibly common in our community, common in in my own family. I've had loved ones suffer from those ailments and pass away from those ailments, people very close to me, so I get it. But I think on a larger scale, I still as an individual, even two years ago in creating this space or before creating this space, didn't fully understand what the health outcomes really looked like for us. And I mean, I'm not a public health professional, so I still don't fully understand, but I know a lot more now than I did then. And be it, you know, the situation that we are currently experiencing on a global level with COVID and seeing how that is impacting our communities to the topic that we're going to be talking about today in the episode, which is Black Maternal Health, because it is currently Black Maternal Health Week here in the US. So if you're not familiar with Black Maternal Health Week, I highly encourage you to learn more about that. And I'll have some resources linked in the Show notes, and we're going to talk a lot about it in this episode, uh, but really just bringing awareness and supporting our Black mothers in our community who face very different outcomes than our counterparts. And really, the conversation is meant to be informative. It is meant to be helpful. Though we face some harsh realities, I never want this to be a space that is scary, or that talks about scary things, even though our little Experience, I mean, we often face scary things, and I think scary things are nothing new to us and to our community, but I do think that knowledge is power, and I am always so honored whenever I get to sit down with an expert to learn about an area that either I'm just curious about or don't have a lot of information about or want to present and share to you. And today's conversation is no exception, and I will say it has been a little bit tricky just given our current situation trying to figure out... Where do I fit? Where does Balanced Black Girl fit in terms of how we support you through all of this? You know, I I tell the line of, I wanna inform, but I don't wanna be just sharing bad news all the time, but I can't ignore it because we're impacted by it, be it from a health standpoint or an economic standpoint or social, emotional, I mean, all of those things. So it's been a little bit tricky. I'm still kind of figuring out <laughs> Where this space really serves and what serves best. So, I would love to hear from you. You know, if you have thoughts, ideas, or requests of ways that Balanced Black Girl can support you, please feel free to shoot us a DM at Balanced Black Girl Podcast on Instagram. Would love to hear from you and would just love to figure out how we can all support one another. So, you know. But also, I do want to still sprinkle in a little bit of some memes here and there, a little humor, because the content the past few weeks has been on point. And, you know, it's always a fine line between keeping it light and humorous, but also still having, you know, respect for everything that's happening. It's a fine, it's a fine line, y'all. We're all, we're all teetering the line. But I really, hope that every time you come into this space or tune in to an episode, I want you to feel restored, rejuvenated. I want you to feel armed with knowledge and ready to step even further into your power because you're already in your power. You don't need to help you step in your power. You're already there. I'm just, you know, giving you tools and resources to help you just step more into it. That's what, you know, it's just a little push, Uh, but you're, you're already there. And with all that being said, let's, let's get into this interview for today because it was it was a good one and I'm I'm so excited to share it with you. And I know I say that every time, but that is just because every time I walk away from a conversation that I have with a woman for this show, it is just every time I'm always uplifted and inspired and I'm always so excited to share it, which is just the best feeling. So let me introduce to you today's guest, Adriana Jean Lewis, who in her final year submitted a thesis on the black maternal mortality crisis in the developed United States through the lens of public policy. She knows her stuff, y'all. In her professional life, she runs a private practice doula philosophy and also works jointly with a nonprofit organization that specifically caters to vulnerable women and families. Adriana works specifically with adolescent mothers, mothers of Haitian descent, women of color, and women with a history of trauma within those organizations. In private practice, doula philosophy offers birth, postpartum, and home dula services to families in Massachusetts and parts of Rhode Island. So, whether you are currently a mother, interested in being a mother, have no interest in being a mother, regardless of, of where you currently are with motherhood, I definitely definitely recommend still tuning into this episode and really diving into this conversation with us because it's so important. These topics just really impact all of us, whether we are biological mothers or not. When something is happening to some of us, it really is happening to all of us. And the state of Black maternal health in this country is something that just we cannot talk about enough. So without further ado, please join me for this week's interview. Adriana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? How how are you feeling today?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you so much, Sandra, for having me. This is so exciting for me, so I'm glad to be here and to to be on the podcast and for the conversation.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, I am honored to have you. So for my audience members who are just now meeting you, can you tell us a little bit more about you and about what you do?
1: Yeah, so um I'm Adriana. So I have a company, a group of doulas that work with me. um, Call ourselves Doula Philosophy. was founded in 2018 in response to um, some of the issues I was seeing within my family as regards to maternal health and, you know, maternity and pregnancy, you know, just wanting to do something about it and not knowing what to do. I was just starting off college. And in 2015, I started college. I actually was kind of like confused as, you know, what direction I wanted to go to. But I know I was really passionate about maternity and maternal health and so I became a doula and it's been kind of a fast-paced track but it's exciting and I love it and it's been two years now and I learn something new every day and um, I'm on my 31st birth we had this past two weeks ago I think almost and it's been amazing so that's The gist of kind of where I came from as a doula, I work with families in the Boston, Massachusetts area, some parts of Rhode Island, a little bit of New Hampshire, really navigating them through pregnancy, childbirth, the labor process, postpartum, what to expect, how to have really honest discussions with their prep providers, how to communicate with their partners, how to set up boundaries, how to build their communities um, really around their children, around their pregnancies and really what to expect. So kind of the gist of what I do.
0: I mean, so much important work. And I would love to dive more into several aspects of what you just said. So first of all, 31 births in two years. That's amazing.
1: It's been wild. Um, I think the need was there without me even realizing the need would be there. I think one of my first qualms about going into doula work is like, okay, like, who's gonna want a doula at the birth? And now we are 31 births later. And it's like, Everyone wants a doula. I think everyone needs a doula and I think everyone deserves a doula. So that's where we're at right now. It's been amazing, to say the least.
0: Yeah, actually, I would love to piggyback off of what you just said to understand a bit more about what doulas do, because admittedly, I think I get kind of at a high level what a doula does, but I would love to hear from your perspective more of what your work as a doula entails and why we should consider working with a doula if we are expecting?
1: Yeah, so that's a really good question. Doulas, I think the inception of doula care was really a guide for women through pregnancy and childbirth. And now we've added this new tier to doula work of postpartum because we realize now that postpartum is so important and there are issues that women are suffering following the birth. Once you get through it, That really affect their trajectory as parents and the likelihood of them having more children and things like that. So as a doula, what I do is a lot of education. So a lot of education around pregnancy, a lot of education around providers and picking hospitals and just what your body's doing, what you're to expect from your baby, what to expect in childbirth. A lot of education for partners, really too, and how to support their wives or their girlfriends or their partners in pregnancy and what's the best way to support someone through labor, through postpartum. So a lot of it's education. There, of course, is a lot of hands-on things. So I'm doing prenatal appointments. I'm there at the birth from from the beginning to the end, really, and afterwards as well. We're doing breastfeeding support. We are helping transition from home to hospital or from hospital to home. We're doing all of the things. We're really you know, helping make baby registries, we're helping bottle feeding, breastfeeding, we're helping communication with providers and you know what the right questions are, what are not the right questions. Are there wrong questions? Are there stupid questions? Which of course the answer is no. Really, you know, opening the, the doors for a lot of women in terms of taking control of their bodies, taking control of their maternity and really helping them carve the path that's best for them. Cause there is no ideal or perfect birth. It's really what works for you best.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think based off of just what I've learned from so many women I know who have children is that every birth is totally individual and that you don't really know what to expect in a lot of ways until you're there. So it sounds like having the support of a doula is incredibly helpful for that process. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you mentioned that now doula care extends through the postpartum period and that a lot of that is to support women who were having issues following birth that could either impact their ability to parent or their ability to have more children. Can you tell us a bit more about what some of those issues are?
1: Yeah. So what we're seeing now, I mean, one of those coin terms that they talked about is like baby blues, you know, postpartum depression and the risk of postpartum depression And now we're seeing, you know, women, especially women of color. So we wear so many hats. There's so much going on um, in our lives, in our workplaces. And now motherhood, there's so much going on. And it's hard sometimes to juggle, hard to find a balance. And we're seeing a lot of women struggling really in postpartum, you know, with expectations of what motherhood is, expectations of what their body is supposed to do and be and look like after childbirth, expectations of, you know, how to bounce back or am I bouncing back too slow? Or am I not bouncing back at all? What's this new normal? How do I juggle work and, you know, parenthood? Do I hire a nanny? Like all these questions, like when do I let my mother-in-law in? Like when do I let people <laughs> over? Different questions that are really important and really valid that we just were having trouble. I think when I talk about trajectories in parenting, there are a lot of issues that come up sometimes following, let's say, a traumatic birth or traumatic experience birthing that really affect one's ability to connect to their child, especially a newborn who demands so much attention who demands all of you all the time. It's getting harder and harder to find a balance. So it's really important. And I find it really important in my practice to set up mothers with, you know, all the tools, whether it's community resources, just a shoulder to lean on, whether it's, you know, making a bowl of soup, like grocery shopping, you know, lessening the load as much as possible, and also setting them up in the routine that they need so that they are able to be successful in the long term.
0: That totally makes sense. I mean, I think we've all heard the expression, you know, that it takes a village to to raise and support a child. And it sounds like the work you do really facilitates getting that village into motion.
1: Yeah. Definitely. I'm
0: curious. We talked a little bit about kind of postpartum depression and and the baby blues. Do we know are black women and women of color more susceptible to that? Are we impacted differently by the baby blues and postpartum depression? What does that look like for us?
1: So I can speak on it a little bit. Although I don't know the exact numbers, historically women of color have been charged with the task of raising children, you know, and task of doing it well or doing it at all costs, even to the cost of ourselves, to the cost of our mental health, to the cost of our physical well being. We are on demand all the time, historically. That's what we as black women have taken on. Women of color have taken on. have been charged with unfortunately so now what we're seeing is that you know there's this expectation that women put on themselves women of color especially to be able to wear all the hats and to juggle all the things and to do it well And although we do do it unfortunately sometimes some balls drop like something inevitably has to go and what we don't want to see is you know and what we unfortunately do see is women and their mental health dropping their physical health dropping their relationship health dropping their ability to connect with other people after having such an experience and i think what we didn't talk about enough in the past was you know how birth trauma can impact us in the long run you know our ability to heal to grow to parent our children to you know build a connection and a bond where we want to breastfeed if that's what we're choosing. And really like not taking on all these horror stories that our parents have and our grandparents have and our aunties have and our cousins have about what their experiences were. But, you know, more so choosing our own path and making our experience postpartum and through pregnancy and childbirth what we want it to be.
0: Yes, I think that that's really beautiful. Really taking back the experience for ourselves, because as we mentioned earlier, it is very individual. And I think... Just knowing, you know, some of the women in my life, knowing that I think the expectation has always been to kind of suffer in silence. And it's really beautiful to know that we don't have to.
1: Right, exactly. And that's what that's what I really try to instill into the moms that I work with, that there is no shame in being able to reach out and ask for help. There is no shame in, you know, hiring part time help. There's no shame in, you know, dropping your kid off to grandmas or to aunties and, you know, going and grabbing a coffee. There's no shame in any of that, because if that's what you need in the moment, then that's what you need. And you don't want to get to the point where you needed something for so long, you needed a break for so long, and you get to a breaking point. And that can look different, but it's never good. That breaking point.
0: Yes, that's so, so true. I would love to talk a bit more about the Black maternal mortality crisis here in the US. And I don't want to scare anybody, but it is just such an important topic to be aware of and to understand and to discuss. And it's something that you are very educated in, which I definitely appreciate. So can you give us just kind of a basic overview or explanation of what is happening in this area?
1: Yeah. So what we're seeing now is Black women, especially specifically, being at a risk of four to five times more likely than their white counterparts of having some kind of Pregnancy-related death or injury. So that's what we're seeing. Four to five times more. It's different in each state. If you go online, you can see rankings. I believe one of the worst-rated states is like Louisiana, and that you know the spike happened right after Hurricane Katrina. So we can go into a little bit about how you know Hurricane Katrina impacted Louisiana and the Louisiana healthcare system and Medicaid, and how women were just not cared for um, properly, which is what you know caused that spike in death. But also, we're looking at a span of the past 100, 200 years of the healthcare, the modern healthcare system. What we know of now, that's what we're looking at, a four to five times more likely death rate. And unfortunately, what we're seeing also is issues extending past pregnancy and birth. So we're looking at not just pregnancy and birth, but also postpartum. So this postpartum period, the pregnancy period lasts from, you know, inception up until a year postpartum. So that's the span of time that we're looking at. So these issues are not just, you know, acute in-hospital hemorrhage, but we're also looking at issues that are not taken care of post-birth into postpartum.
0: Do we know what the contributing factors are to this and why this has happened? If it's, you know, has a 200-year track record?
1: So really, the <laughs> it's unfortunate, but the root cause are racial disparities. That's what it is. And the CDC created a report earlier this year that, really, in the, in the recommendation, just highlighted the need for implicit bias training for healthcare systems to really hone in on very specific interactions, communications with uh, Black women in hospital, in clinic, at home, like all these different systems at different places where we can improve health outcomes. So it really, it doesn't span just, you know, in the hospital or when you go in for prenatal care, but also, you know, what kind of support system are you having? Are you on Medicaid? Do you not have Medicaid? What kind of insurance do you have? Who your doctor is? Is your doctor listening to you? Are you able to communicate with your providers? Well, what kind of treatment do you have while you're in hospital? What is your support system outside of the hospital, a partner related or a family related? What's your system? And really honing in on, those specific things and improving those things as much as possible.
0: That's such valuable information that honestly, I think can apply to any of us ever in contact with the healthcare system. I mean, we're talking about maternal health and motherhood right now, but honestly, for any medical condition under any time you're under the, the care of the healthcare system, that's good information to know.
1: Right, exactly. It's really about, you know, being able to have an opinion about your health. And enforcing, having an opinion, but also having demands that you are enforcing for yourself. So demanding proper health care in all facets, not just when you're pregnant, I mean, not just when you have a newborn, but even adolescents, when you're a child, young adults, really in the beginning of taking care of your health, also holding our healthcare system accountable for our health and demanding certain things from our providers, from our healthcare system, from Medicaid, from our private insurances, all those different prongs of the healthcare system. Absolutely.
0: And I do appreciate you bringing up the recommendation of the CDC on the implicit bias training. I'd be really curious, you know, over the coming years to see if that changes some of these outcomes because it's much needed.
1: Definitely. And I think hopefully as we have more and more conversations, as we are developing more and more, because what we're seeing is this rate of death in black women is spanning across, you know, education, it's spanning across class, it's spanning across other different social markers that you would think would impact, you know, this rate. We all think when I first heard it as well, I thought, you know, it must be, you know, poorer black women or it must be less educated black women. No, it's not. (laughs) It's black women, period.
0: And I mean, I think just at a human level, regardless of economic class or whatever, I mean, anybody who is going to our healthcare system for care should receive just that. And it's really disheartening that that's not happening. Exactly. So for those who are either expecting or are interested, interested is a horrible word, but want to have biological children in the future, you know, what can we do to really protect ourselves and to really be as safe and healthy as possible?
1: a good question. I believe it starts now. It starts today. Like even in this crisis that we're in with coronavirus, people are afraid to talk to the doctors, are afraid to have open and honest conversations. It's really important to not only... Do the research for ourselves, but ask the right questions of our providers. And if they're not answering or if they're being vague, to demand those answers, to seek those answers, to switch providers if that's what you need to do. Switch office if that's what you need to do. It's about making sure that we're well-versed in what our issues are. You know, being at one with our body, being at one with our mind, making sure that we can hone in on what our own issues are so that when we come up against the system, even though they tell us, you know, it may be X, Y, and Z disease, we can say for ourselves, well, that's not really necessarily what I'm feeling. Or this isn't necessarily what I believe is the case for myself. And having those dialogue, because it really is a discussion. It's not a dictatorship when it comes to your health. It really is a discussion. And it's an ongoing, lifelong thing. Pregnancy and childbirth and postpartum are just, you know, periods in one's life. And after that, you still have to be taking care of your health and you still need to be having conversations and you still go in for annual checkups and you still get pap smears and breast exams and all these things that come up in the span of a lifetime. And we need to be able to have really definite I guess the word I'm looking for is definite just understandings of our own bodies that we are able to relay to people who were there to help us, these providers and these systems, what our needs are for ourselves. And it's very individual. It's not a family thing. It's not necessarily a community thing. It's really individual. And that's the basis of it, I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, I love what you said about... Your relationship with your healthcare provider being a discussion and not a dictatorship, because that is truly how it should be. I mean, I have the utmost respect for healthcare professionals, especially now with the crisis we're facing and what they do and the knowledge they have. And at the same time, we have that knowledge about our own bodies because we are the ones living within our bodies. And I think that the two have to work together.
1: Exactly. And I think that providers want to work with us. It's really about having starting those conversations, having those dialogues and building those relationships, because your relationship with your provider is really your relationship. It's not, you know, like those 10 minute, 15 minute doctor visits, but it's also, you know, having those strong relationships, not like on a personal level, really, this is my provider. This is the person I trust. This is the person I will seek answers from when something goes wrong, or if I have a concern. And this is the person I trust at the end of the day. So if you don't have that trust, if you're not feeling necessarily confident in your provider, if you don't feel like they're taking you seriously or they aren't asking the right questions or you're not getting the answers that you want, then seek a different provider.
0: Such good information. So I would love to talk also a bit about racial disparities when it comes to breastfeeding. I know you you mentioned breastfeeding earlier when we were kind of talking about postpartum care and uh, the, the support of a doula But I read, actually, I think it was information from you, from your website, that data from the CDC in recent years has shown that Black mothers are less likely to introduce breastfeeding for their babies and are not breastfeeding for as long as other races. And I am would love to just understand a little bit more about why we think that is and what the implications of that may be.
1: Yeah, so that's a really good question. And unfortunately, that's the case. I work with a lot of a majority of women of color and a lot of women cite issues with not seeing it as helpful, being burdened by it, not feeling encouragement from their providers. Unfortunately, it's, it's our reality. Black women are less likely to breastfeed and less likely to breastfeed for longer periods of time. So even if they introduce breastfeeding in the beginning, less likely to continue it into, you know, three, six, 12 months, nine months, or whatever the recommendation is. And some of the reasoning behind that is really the demand on ourselves. We don't have the extended amount of Maternity leave. We may not have the extended amount of partner support. We don't have someone on our team, on our side. Maybe our mothers didn't breastfeed. And there's also this, I think, <laughs> generational obsession with formula because formula is easier. Formula is sometimes more accessible if you have, you know, help with that. So there are social programs out there, you know, programs that are run through Medicaid, from, through the federal government, through insurance, through hospitals that are providing formula. And those are great programs for the people who need it. But then you know, that creates the barrier of just like it's accessible. Formula is easier, it's more accessible. There's not a learning curve with it. I just need to need to make a bottle, That's it. Anyone can feed the baby. It's just more accessible in that sense. And so there's also this gap we're seeing between women of color and non-women of color in terms of the tools and resources that they have access to. So we're seeing non-women of color, white women more likely to seek out a lactation consultant or counselor, having a lactation consultant come to the home having help at home you know reaching out to breastfeeding support groups reaching out to you know other mothers and there are many reasons for that you know black women unfortunately may have to go back to work they may have other children they may have someone else caring for the infant during the day so they don't have that you know one-on-one bonding time with the child to really you know focus on the latch and focus on getting the baby on and also they don't want the baby to become dependent on them in that way because they have other things that need to get done unfortunately in their lives. so that's what we're seeing and that's what i'm seeing on the day-to-day the moms that i work with
0: goodness. Yeah. I mean, all of that totally, totally makes sense. Taking a quick pause from the interview to talk about our daily habits and vegetable consumption. I don't know about you, but my veggie consumption was slacking and having more time at home, making more of my own meals, snacks, and beverages at home has really helped me up My greens consumption. And one of my favorite ways to get more greens in is through having Organifi Green Juice. So Organifi Green Juice is a green juice powder. I like adding a scoop into a glass of water each day. It is so, so easy. Y'all, back in the day, I used to have my juicer and I used to be up at like 5 a.m. juicing fresh produce. My roommate hated me and it was just a mess. And (laughs) let's just say right now that is not happening. But with Organifi, their greens juice powder has 11 powerful superfoods, which taste great and help me feel great. have ashwagandha in there for stress management, which is so important, spirulina for energy, moringa, which is an incredible source of vitamins and minerals. It has just been such a great addition to my day. So if you're trying to get more greens in, check out Organifi Green Juice Powder, and you can head to balanceblackgirl.com slash Organifi, and IFI and use the code BBG for 15% off. So make sure you're really taking the time to get your hydration on point, to get your nutrition on point, get that water in, get those greens in. Now is better than ever to really make sure that is on point. So again, you can go to balanceblackgirl.com/organify and use the coupon code BBG for 15% off. All right, let's get back to the interview. How can we support black mothers who maybe want to breastfeed or want to breastfeed for longer, but are perhaps unable to for for the reasons we just discussed?
1: Yeah, I think there definitely needs to be more of an emphasis on maternity leave, what that looks like for everyone and, you know, standardizing maternity leave. The more time that we're able to give to our mothers so that they can, you know, create these bonds to sustain these bonds and to find, you know, really concrete help. And aid in caring for their children afterwards, whether that's a daycare provider, whether that's a family member that's taking care of the baby. We really need to support mothers in that way. We really need to have more lactation consultants and counselors that look like us, that look like women of color, that are in our homes, who you know we're comfortable with, inviting into our homes, that we'd be comfortable with seeing on a daily or a weekly or monthly basis to help support us in breastfeeding, and also having really frank discussions with our group of girlfriends or, you know, our community about breastfeeding, about the benefits of breastfeeding, about their experiences with breastfeeding, because I think it's easy sometimes to hear and to ingest all the horror stories and like, you know, the raw nipples and the issues that come up with breastfeeding. But we don't necessarily talk about the amazing benefits that come from breastfeeding, which is not just, you know, nourishing your baby, but also increased hormonal levels and more balanced hormones and a quicker recovery and just all these elevated you know, moods and things like that, that come with breastfeeding as well. And I don't think we're talking about that enough.
0: Yeah, oh my goodness. And I think that those conversations are so important. I know, actually, recently, I was talking to my mom about this, funny enough, and she was, I think she had maybe watched like a documentary about birth or something. I'm like, well, you lived it a couple times. So like, why are you watching it on TV? But whatever. That's what she was doing. And so she was telling me about this documentary that she watched. And I think they mentioned something about breastfeeding. And she was telling me about her experience breastfeeding me when I was a baby. And I think she breastfed me for maybe like nine or 10 months or something. And she was saying how back then, I mean, everyone thought that she was crazy because she had kind of had me around the same time that, you know, some of her other friends were having kids and other people that she knew, even women in our family who just didn't really do it. But she just kind of intuitively felt like, I think this is what my baby needs. Like, this is what I'm going to do. And she was saying that, you know, she really didn't have much support in that area at all, which was really interesting to me, but I think really supports what you're saying.
1: Yeah. So, and I think that unfortunately, generationally, like you look to your mother, you look to these, you know, elders in your family about what to do when you have a new baby. And if they're more so encouraging you to use formula that's what you do you know and it's not your fault and it's no one's fault even if you might have an instinct that tells you that you want to breastfeed, if your mom didn't or your aunt didn't and that's who you're looking up to then it kind of makes you an outcast you don't feel as comfortable because you don't you can't go to them with these questions or problems and I think back then unfortunately there was this boom in formula and the accessibility of formula as well and you know formula also it kind of set you apart in terms of know your financial status. Like if I can give my baby formula, maybe I'm in a better place financially. Maybe I'm able to provide more for my family and myself coming from a Caribbean household where we came to the States and women who breastfed in Haiti where my family is from were more lower class. Whereas women who formula fed were higher class. And if we look at the history of the United States and slavery and the impact of slavery, we're still feeling those effects because we had black women who were subjected to being wet nurses for white women. White women weren't breastfeeding their own children. We were breastfeeding their children. And so we kind of steered away from that historically. And now we're trying to really bring it back. But Bring it back with a sense of control, and we this is what we can do for our children, and not necessarily something that's being forced on us by, you know, the man or, you know, the system.
0: That's so interesting just to hear about the history like that in terms of formula being considered kind of a status symbol. I that's just a privilege, yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. And I mean, I think it's also important to note that, you know fed is best and different things work for different mothers and different babies but really empowering women and enabling them to have as much information and education as possible i think is so key
1: Yeah. Just to reiterate that, you know, fed it's best. It really I mean, as long as your baby's fed, that's all that really, really, truly matters. But, you know, making that decision for yourself is so much more empowering than being shamed into a decision one way or the other.
0: Yes. Oh, my goodness. That's like a mic drop moment right there. (laughs) (laughs) So, so good. So good. Piggybacking off of that a little bit and also pivoting just a little bit in terms of, you know, resources that are available to either expected mothers or women who are potentially on the beginning of their fertility journey, interested in starting a family biologically. What are just some good kind of educational resources available?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, social media is a powerful tool and there are some really great tools out there, you know, in the vast world of, you know, the Internet. I think it's really important important when we're sifting through these tools, making sure that things are evidence-based. So there's this huge online community of evidence-based information. I think it's evidencebasedinfo.com or evidencebased.com. And it's really about not only, you know, making a decision for yourself, but also having the evidence behind that to back your decision for yourself or to have those conversations. Some great tools I found on Instagram, there's a page called Pump Mama, who started this page, completely dedicated to pumping and feeding her child. So she doesn't latch her baby at all. She just pumps. She exclusively pumps. And there's a whole community of women, you know, supporting each other through this pumping. It's not fun um, at all. There are also, you know, local groups that you can be joining. So, you know, looking in your area, looking on Facebook, looking um, at your doctor's office to see what kind of groups are being started or groups that are already in effect that are great resources where maybe there might be a nurse there, there might be a doctor there, it might just be, you know, five or six moms getting together and talking and sharing stories and playdates and, you know, giving each other a break. If you're, you know, looking for more of like a, you know, woman of color based situation, there are also groups like that as well. Um, Depending on your city, they probably meet in person, but there are also groups online where they get together and just share resources and share, just help each other really through the whole process of pregnancy and childbirth and pumping and breastfeeding and postpartum and formula as well because formula is a huge conversation as well what formula is best what formula is not best you know and you can really just delve into all of those things so i think the internet is a really accessible tool for all of us to use and really i think at the end of the day when you find a tool on the internet it's about making sure that it's evidence-based that you're feeling empowered by it and not feeling shamed by it. So those are some of the, the tools I think or the tips that I would give in terms of women who are looking to start this journey into parenthood or surrogacy, if that's what you want to get into, or, you know, thinking about having their own children or adopting, because there are really groups out there for everything. And I think you need to so just look for it it's there.
0: Yeah, that's such great advice. I really love what you said about finding resources that empower you to make the right decision for you and not shame you. I think that the internet is an amazing thing. However, I do think a downside to the internet that has happened a lot over the past probably decade or so that I think mothers in particularly have felt is okay. the shaming, the shaming around their parenting, around how they raise their kids, around what they do. And I think finding those places where you can connect and, and learn and, like you said, be empowered to make the best decisions for you instead of feeling shamed for your decisions is so important.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Can you tell us more about the work you do with Doula
1: Philosophy? Sure, yeah. So Doula Philosophy was founded we We're actually two years ago when I first started. And it was actually Doula Noir Philosophy before it was Doula Philosophy. In the beginning, it was just me trying to get my, you know, foot into the birth world, which is this vast world of a lot of people with a lot of varying and differing opinions. (laughs) And, you know, myself in that world, and dual philosophy was kind of born out of my own philosophy, and being able to empower women with education and tools and resources without shame or guilt or negative thinking and ways of doing things. I think, in hindsight, From all the moms that I've worked with and all the families that I've been able to help serve, at the end of the day, there is no perfect model. It's really about what works for your family. Families nowadays look so different. There's no, you know, uniform family. So there can be no uniform birthing method or way of parenting. It's really what works for you as an individual. What's going to work for your support system? What's going to work for you and your partner? What's going to work for you and your child? And There is, there's no wrong way of doing it. It's really just what's right for you and finding that way. So at Dual Philosophy, what we really do is empower our women, first off, really create bonds and relationships. I connect all my moms with each other so they can, you know, bounce off of each other and, you know, share ideas and share issues because I'm not a mother myself. I haven't gone through childbirth myself. So there are certain things Although I can sympathize, that I can't necessarily say that I've experienced, like, you know, tearing or, you know, leaking ducts and things like that. So it's really important to build that community. And at dual Philosophy, I pride myself on being able to not only empower my moms, but empower other doulas and teach other doulas in the ways of navigating this doula world and, you know, being a force of good. But also, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're always the opposition. I have such a great respect for um, midwives and, you know, doctors in our medical system, because especially in the wake of what's going on right now, but even in the long term, there are really great doctors and really great midwives and really great nurses out there and really great hospital systems that are doing really great things. And at times we just, we were a tool, we're a resource and they use us as that. We're not necessarily the opposition, but at times, you know, sometimes we are the opposition. Sometimes we are at bat. but um, yeah, so that's kind of, the basis of doula philosophy, or really just a system of support. Yeah,
0: which is so important. And I do also appreciate your transparency there about, you know, working with the, the birth teams and being really on the same team, even though you may at times have kind of different things going on, or, you know, maybe opposing views in some way. Ultimately, you are there to support That mom through the process, and so if you're there to really advocate for her in ways that she may not be able to advocate for herself, I'd say it's worth the opposition at times.
1: A hundred percent, yeah. I think sometimes there's a stigma around doulas, and that we are kind of like against doctors and against modern day healthcare, and all we want is like to burn sage and like everyone deliver at home, and that's not a that's not true. (laughs) Doing each birth is equally as valuable, Um, as long as my goal in every birth, no matter the setting, is that you feel empowered in your decisions. And that may mean that you have an epidural. That may mean that you decide if you want a C-section. So at the end of the day, you feel like you made a decision for yourself. And this was something that you were in control of the whole situation.
0: Yes, that is beautiful.
1: So do you offer
0: any sort of like remote offerings or trainings for people who are interested in learning more, either about receiving services or becoming a doula? What does that look like?
1: Definitely in the wake of what's happening now, I'm more and more offering virtual doula services. So consultations with myself. In those consultations, we're talking about how to build your birth team, how to create your birth plan, how to create a plan postpartum, you know, what to bring to the hospital, what not to bring, all those nitty-gritty things that we, you know, as we get down to the wire need to be taken care of. And we're talking about that. I also offer services, the dad doula services that are towards partners specifically and consultations with myself as a doula with just the partner sometimes you know their wives or their girlfriends or whatever are there as well but really it's a chance and a space for partners to ask those questions and to be vulnerable and to say like i don't know what to do but i don't want her to know that i don't know what to do or like how do i support her the best way like or she's not the same person how do i deal with that like or what do i buy like What's the right car seat? It's having those conversations with someone who's been there, done that, and really supporting them in the best way that you know I can as a doula remotely. And also for doulas who are interested in training, I offer an online course. You can find adulaphilosophy.com where we are going over everything from pregnancy to childbirth and to taking a baby home. How a doula really does all the things like and how to navigate pregnancy and childbirth as a support person, as a doula, and what that looks like. So we're going over all the education, we're going over some history, we're going over, you know, hands-on measures for moms in labor, you know, things to help induction, help start things up, things to help postpartum, you know, really supporting moms in the holistic sense of the word and the situation. So that's what we offer and all that information is on doula.philosophy.com. It can be found there. So yeah,
0: uh, amazing. I'll make sure I have all of those resources linked in the show notes because they are incredible and so, so helpful. So we'll make it really easy for everyone to find there. So Adriana, you pour a lot into others. <laughs> Even just getting to talk to you for this, this past time and, and how much you do for others, it's, it's a lot and it's amazing. But how do you in turn take care of yourself?
1: That's a great question. Um, Self-care is so important in any field that you go into. For me as a doula, like you mentioned, we're on call, we're there 24-7. It's really important for me to take a break and to step back at times and to take care of myself and to decompress from hard births, from hard labors, from hard situations. And so some of the things that I institute for myself are office hours 8 a.m to 6 p.m for moms and dads and families that I work with for non-urgent issues and matters so between 8 a.m and 6 p.m I'm completely available and after 6 p.m unless it's urgent you probably won't catch me you know but also taking the time when I need the time so if that's you know a vacation if that's a weekend making sure that my families are set up with support when I'm not available with another doula but also making sure that I take the time out so that if I, am not doing well if my mental health is going to a place where it's where it's not healthy or if I'm physically not doing well that I'm taking that time out for myself. So I can be the best tool that I can be for my family because that's what I want to do and that's what I strive to do. And I want to be the best support person that I can be. And so I can't do that if I'm burnt out at all. So it's really important for me to take that time. And that looks different. A weekend away might be a weekend at home. It might just be a weekend. Where I kind of shut out the world and I can take a bath and I can read a book and, you know, I can watch a TV show and just, you know, eat ice cream and just be mindless and not think about certain things or just not worry about certain things. And so that was that's what self-care kind of looks like for me at this point, more so now that we're quarantined. But yeah, it's really important, super important for self-care as a doula.
0: Absolutely. Having those boundaries, it's so important, especially for the work you do when babies can kind of come at any time, making sure that when that moment comes, you are kind of refreshed and, and there for it.
1: Exactly. Yeah, And I think it's really important for me. I limit my caseload per month. So I don't take more than three clients a month. No matter what the due date is, I don't take more than three clients a month because it's important for me to be able to give my all to each of my clients and also not feel like I'm being pulled in too many different directions because with each family, with each situation, the needs are very different. Like I've had families and moms who are super young. I've had a mom who's as young as 12. And so that situation is really difficult. It was really difficult. You know, a 12 year old, a child who's going through the situation is much more different and takes a lot more from me in every sense of the word than, you know, another mom who maybe is married thirties and this is her third child and her knees are just a lot different less demanding in certain senses it's really important for me to take control of my caseload and if I can't do something to pass that on to a doula that I trust and um, who I know will serve a family well um, and to say no I think practicing no sometimes is really important.
0: Wow yeah I mean I can't even imagine how also emotionally demanding a situation like that. <laughs> would be. And I think that knowing when to either kind of delegate or say no as needed is so, so commendable.
1: Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's definitely needed, you know, and it's really important to check in with oneself and any line of work to check in and to make sure that you're first doing it for the right reasons that you're still finding contentment and joy at the end of the day when you do what you do, and that you're still feeling fulfilled. And if at any point I felt like I wasn't feeling fulfilled or if I was feeling trained emotionally or physically or just wasn't able to cope for myself, I think I'd have to take a step back. But thankfully, I think with the right parameters and the right borders, I've been able to sustain for this long 31 births is a lot thinking about it like sitting and thinking about it but when you're in it it's just it's amazing and everything's great thankfully i've had really really fulfilling births and fulfilling families that have just fed me in a way that no other line of work for me has done so i'm super thankful to be in the line of work that i am super thankful for the families that i work with because they're great they're amazing yeah oh that's so
0: beautiful oh (laughs) i just love that
1: (laughs) you're in the right place yeah, definitely, definitely.
0: Yeah. So Adriana, what does being a balanced black girl mean to you?
1: Oh my goodness. I was like waiting for this question. <laughs> <laughs> being a balanced black girl is doing all the things that I want to do, conquering all the things that I want to conquer, feeding myself in every way, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, um economically, financially, feeding myself, making sure that I'm good so that I can serve others in the best way possible. So being balanced for me is being able to serve others, but also making sure that I'm full enough, that I'm fed enough to serve. And also saying no when I need to say no, <laughs> but also saying yes when I want to say yes. And that could be to a birth, but that could also be to like a caramel macchiato once a week. <laughs> so yeah, so that's kind of what being a black, balanced back girl means to me.
0: So good. I That's making sure you're fed in all areas is beautiful. I love it.
1: <laughs> but also just to add like, Taking charge of the fact that I am a black woman and I'm doing this work and I'm serving Mm -hmm. other black women and that um, I have black women who are looking up to me and I want to support them in the best way that I can. So realizing that there is a community out there that we're all here for each other and that, you know, there's no way that I could do it without my team. And I would hope that they feel like I'm as much of a support to them as they are to me. So also just being able to feed others and work with others and work well. And just, you know, being so confident in my history as a black woman and the legacy that I'm leaving for the next generation of black women. Ooh,
0: fire. I am like, can I, I need to print that out and like post it on my wall as the daily affirmation. Yeah, (laughs) that's what I mean, I feel like that's that's the goal. That's what you know, that's the goal for for what we're doing. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Amazing addition. (laughs) Inspiring me.
1: Well, I'm so glad this is such a great platform. And I'm so amazed every episode that comes out. I'm just so amazed and I just get so much out of it. And so I want to thank you, of course, for creating this platform and sustaining this platform, because I know I just can only imagine what goes into this on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, and those times where it gets hard, that you continue to, to be here and to be present for us. So thank you, Les. Like, this is amazing. Oh,
0: well, you have no idea how much I appreciate that. And honestly, it's it's conversations like the one we are having right now that really fill me up and are why I do this because I learn so much from these amazing interviews I mean I really I feel like every woman that I've interviewed on this show yourself included I are like my heroes because I just learn so much and my love and appreciation for black women just gets deeper and deeper and I never think that it could get more so and then every new person I meet I'm like and again and again so thank you for doing what you yeah. do and for being here of course. Thank
1: you so much for having me. Yes. So how can our audience keep in touch with you? Yeah. So you can definitely um, reach out to me on social platforms. I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Instagram and Twitter It's Adriana the Doula. So A-D-R-I-A-N-A the Doula, D-O-U-L-A. You can find me there on Facebook. I'm Adriana Jean Lewis. So A-D-R-I-A-N-A last name j-e-a-n-l-o-u-i-s and our, also our facebook page for Doula philosophy is Doula philosophy you can also reach out to me via email um, at doula philosophy at gmail.com and our website doulaphilosophy.com. you can also send a message there and reach out and just stay abreast to all the things that are happening and all the announcements coming
0: Amazing. We will have all of your contact information linked in the show notes so that folks can find you and get in touch. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: How wonderful was Adriana? I just love talking to her, learned so much from her, and really enjoyed that conversation, and I hope you did too. It has actually been a really long time since I have shared a review here on the podcast, and... I feel like it's really time to bring those back because I was looking, saw just some really helpful, constructive reviews that you all have left and wanted to shout one out on today's show. So let's bring back the review of the week. This review says listener for months. I've been listening to your podcast for months, and I must say I greatly appreciate the diversity of topics touched by you and your amazing guests from self-care to fitness and other forms of wellness. And more importantly, the guests are Black, so the representation and love for our race is real. It brings me a sense of comfort to know that there are Black experts out there to provide information and help for the improvement of our well-being as a whole. I almost always take something great from you or your guests to apply to my life. Thank you so much for leaving this review. I think that is exactly what this space is for, is to introduce you to experts who share your experience and who see you and understand you and who you can see and hear yourself in. So thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for this incredible review. If you have not yet left a review for the podcast, I really appreciate your review on Apple Podcasts. Your five-star reviews are how people find the show. It is how the show ranks and it is how we can spread Balance Black Girl, grow this community and really grow this message. So if you have not yet left a review for us on Apple Podcasts, I would really appreciate it. Last announcement before we go that our April book club pick is The Source of Self-Regard by the incredible Toni Morrison. We will be having a virtual book club at the end of the month. More information coming on that, but make sure you join the Facebook group, the Balanced Black Girl Podcast Community, linked in the show notes to connect with other podcast listeners and to be in the know about book club events, and other future virtual, at least for the time being, Balanced Black Girl offerings. So thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.